2: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, okay. The mess we're in. How we got there. Um, wh- last week, just to kind of recap real quick. Um, we talked about the, the very source of sin. Satan, you know, in Isaiah. He says, I will. And that right there is the sin of pride. I will. And then he says, I will make my... Throne above the most high God, I will be like God. So in that, in that heart, there's pride, of course. But there is also lust for power and control. And then there was also out-and-out rebellion. Those are the three driving forces that um, we started to see right off the bat. And then, of course, Adam fell. And out of the fall... God prophesied that the seed of the woman um, would crush his head, would crush his rule in the earth. He would take the seed of the woman out his walk, his heel, but he would crush Satan's rule in the earth. So now you're going to add to that one more thing and that is a hatred for the people of God and a desire to destroy the people of God in an attempt to get rid of Messiah. Messiah. So all those things, those those four attitudes um, are the attitudes birthed right there um, in the Garden of Eden and um, they have carried through. Um, Satan hasn't changed um, and those same attitudes are the same attitudes that um, control and drive the people um, in that area now. And um, So then we we talked about how Adam in his DNA because his name was mankind he had all all of the gene patterns all of the uh, genome combinations everything in his DNA strands. He had it for all of humanity complete in himself. And Eve who came out from his side not, com- not made separately but out from his side had the same uh, gene patterns. Okay? Right there was the source of all humanity. Um, I find it so interesting now that because of DNA and because of the things that we we're able to do, this the, the gene patterns and um, the DNA strands are so key anymore to everything. I'm going to show you some really cool stuff that they're finding. But, um, um, in Adam was all of mankind. Every possible combination of uh, DNA stranding, of of gene pairings, of every possible combination was in him. And um, if you remember your genetics 101, you always got that in science class with the little boxes, you know, and you have the black cat and the white cat and when they mate, what do you come up with? And you usually get two black and white kittens and then one white and one black because that's usually the pattern, you know, the percentage pattern of how those matches happen. So out of Adam and Eve was an infinite number of designs for humanity every every human being then from that source could be designed uniquely and given specific abilities and talents and 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 God had a plan for every person. Every person has something to do that no other person can do. Because we're all called to different places and God has that. So um um, you know, we talk about skin color. It's not it was not an issue in the Old Testament. But if if you're looking at Adam, you would almost believe that he would have to have been a black man. Because all of the colors, you know, are, are in black. Black is a combination of everything. Um and um, so it it was he was probably a very dark skinned man. And um then out of that you're going to you know, have mates and then more mates and you're going to end up with two dark skin, one light skin, one medium skin, you know, and that's the way that the color patterns happen. And it was God's plan. I, um, um, I just get so frustrated now with everybody talking black and white, black and white, and years and years and years ago when I was teaching first grade in a, in a black school, uh, it was eighty percent black. I was the I was the minority face there. Um, you know, the Lord showed me that. Um, well, you know, we had little white kids and little black kids, and they wouldn't play together. You you little white kid, I can't play with you. You little black boy, I can't play with you. You know, that was the attitude. Well, where do they get that from their parents? Of course. But I was shopping makeup one day, and uh, cover girl, you know. And there was the most beautiful black woman standing right next to me, shopping the same makeup. And it just hit me. It just hit me. Genesis 1. We're all made out of the dirt of the earth. Every single person is a dirt color. We're not pure white and we're not pure black. We're all dirt colors. And um, so I, I got permission from my principal, who was a black man. He was such a precious guy. But. Um, I, got, I ordered chips, makeup colored chips. And then I ordered, I just went to the paint store and I got every shade of brown, beige, tan. And then I got the pure whites, you know, the whites and the blacks. And I made three boxes. And I told the kids, I said, you find the chip that matches your skin color. So, you know, they all start, black chips and the white chips. But everybody ended up in the middle box because we're all earth tones. And um, I look now at things like the painted desert, And I look at the Grand Canyon and the the just virtual uh, unnameable number of colors there. All earth tones. And there we all are. Dirt. Right there. So we need to get past this idea but um, just speaking to that because it's part of where we are here. We've gotten off of the focus that God created us all out of the dirt and has put it on something that matters not that doesn't matter. Um, Ethnic groups and all that kind of thing, it doesn't, that's not it. But Satan uses that to drive the wedges. Okay. So when Satan tempted Adam, he used those very same things. The I will, which is rebellion, exalt my throne, pride, you know, and I will be like the most high God. Lust for power and control. So when he talked to Adam, he said, oh, no, if you, if you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like the gods. You'll know right from wrong, you know, and you'll be wise. And um, so Eve looked at the fruit, and she said it was good to eat, pleasant to look at, and it was for, to make her wise like God. So you had pride <coughs> when they ate, I will be like God, which is so sad because they already were in his image and in his likeness. But I will be like the gods. I will be. And then the idea that it would make them wise, the lust for power and control. And then they ate and that was rebellion. There it was. The three attitudes right there for sin. And the roots of those sins, the roots of those attitudes um, have been there ever since. And of course as soon as Genesis 3 was spoken, Mary's line, the seed of the woman, then there also came the desire to destroy God's creation because of his own self preservation. That was the other thing. Destroy and hate anything that is about the seed of God. Whether it's the spiritual seed which is Christianity or whether now, the modern day or whether it was the heritage um, and the line of Jesus which is the Jewish people, Judah, right? And um, so Jewish people went up to be all the Hebrew people. It just because that was the source of it all. And um, so that has that that heart attitude has remained in that area in Satan, the Antichrist, and he inflicts that on men who um, you know anybody he can find that he can convince. All right, all right. So. Then we got to Noah and Noah was the only family line that was not perverted by those fallen angels. God prever- preserved Noah and his sons, Ham, and Japheth because their line was unperverted. That was the line that Jesus was going to come from. Every other flesh had been perverted by these angels that had left their first estate that we read about in Jude. and um, So um, It wasn't. Uh, Well, let me put it this way: Noah um, knew the God of Abraham. Um, He, in fact, Abraham. I mean, Adam. Sorry, not the God of Abraham. The God of Adam. Adam was. Died only 126 years before Noah was born. Noah's granddad Methuselah knew Adam. Lamech, his dad, knew Adam. So the idea of calling on the Lord and sacrificing to the Lord had been in the earth for at least 600 years. Okay? And, um,. So he knew well about calling on the Lord, and he walked with the Lord. You get the idea that all other humanity had gone off, you know, in their own um, in their own worship, and um, uh, whether or not it was ungodly, um, Jewish tradition says. Yeah, that it started rather early and perhaps with Cain's descendants, this worship of other gods, but there's no, you know, there's no real foundational proof of that. It was all wiped out. But Cain's descendants were in rebellion to God. And um, it's likely that that was a root right there in itself because Cain was rebellious against God. God said, Cain, if you do right, then. You know, I'm going to bless you. But right now, sin's at the door. What are you going to do? And he rebelled, you know, and he killed his brother. So that seed is still sitting right there. Um, I'm going to pass these little maps around again. These are the pictures of Noah's kids when they got off the boat and where everybody went. Um, So you can just kind of get an idea of it. And last time I told you to make three pages, one for Ham, one for Shem and one for Japheth. And then that way you could just kind of put down you know where, the, where those people, where they migrated. Um, Jewish tradition says that they all pretty much stayed right there around the Tigris and the Euphrates River right there at the Persian Gulf, you know, right there at the mouth of the Persian Gulf, for a long time. Um, but um, Nimrod is the one that started the trouble with Babylon and um, so he was out of the line of Ham. Now you know the trouble with Ham let's just go back to Genesis 9 and start there because this really is the source of the trouble. Genesis 9 Remember, Noah had had a little too much to drink and passed out in the tent without any clothes on. And Ham thought it was funny and brought his brothers in to see it. Well, his brothers, uh, Shem and Japheth, backed up and and backed up with a cloak and covered their father and didn't look on his nakedness, but Ham did. So when um, Noah came to himself and found out what Ham had done, Um, he was furious. But if you listen to it, if you listen to what he says, he didn't go after Ham, he went after Canaan. And he said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brothers. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And God will enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. So instead of just going after Ham, he went after Canaan, which is just one of his sons. So um, you have to keep that in mind. Not all the roots of Ham you know, were rebellious. Not all the roots of Japheth or uh, Shem were perfect. But the certain, we're going to just follow the line of Christ out of this, um, but you just need to know what nations are um, descendant from which, which sons so that you kind of get a picture of how the world is lining up here. And um, so we started with the sons of Ham and um, they all settled. Well Cush was his first son and that was the upper Nile region of Egypt, Nubia, Ethiopia and the Sudan Okay, so that was one son. And they also went west to the Persian Gulf. So some of them, the Amalekites, which are part of Cush's family, um, and, and an enemy of Israel eventually, um, lived on the west coast in, in the area of the Persian Gulf. So most of Cush's kids went into northern Africa, except for one little bunch. That went over toward Persia, okay. Now Nimrod was one of Cush's sons. Nimrod is a part of that bunch that went over toward um, the Persian Gulf, right there with the Tigris and the Euphrates, the place where um, say the seat of sin is, Satan's throne is right there, Antichrist, okay. And we talked about Nimrod last time, but. Um, I found another interesting scripture that I want to read to you about it but just to kind of go through it again um, (coughs) Nimrod um, moved to that northern tip of the Persian Gulf okay? what is now Iraq and Kuwait and um, his name literally means rebel and in him was all of the characteristic of Satan the rebellion, the pride and the lust for power Now he didn't really have the hatred for Shem's descendants yet but he did have those three things, rebellion and pride and the lust for power. And um, so just like Satan who said, I will exalt my throne, I will. Nimrod was the first ever to build an empire ruled by men. Hmm. Nimrod's empire was the first one ruled by men and not by God. And of course he became the first king of Babylon if you want to say that. He learned the art of war and that, that shows you this lust for power and control. Um, to that point there had been no need for war. The, only, the need for war was to subjugate people under his power who didn't want to be subjugated and that was the only reason for war. He was the first one to become a warrior and he was a mighty hunter. And polytheism was reignited in Nimrod, the idea that they could worship multiple gods. Jewish tradition says this about Nimrod. He was the strong one, powerful in hunting, and wicked before God. A mighty hunter, the phrase a mighty hunter means that he ensnared men with his words and incited them to rebel against God. And when it says he was a mighty hunter before God, the phrase before God is, um, is a phrase of provocation. So like in your face, God was the what was his attitude. It was in your face. Right in front of God's face he did it, in other words. Okay? He, he was known for using sorcery and fire to gain victories over his battles. And he introduced the worship of other gods when he declared, this is the first worship, was of the sun, which is light, right? Okay, parallel, God is light. Satan so closely parallels what scripture does. You know, you can find it. But he declared that they would worship the sun and he named him Baal. That was the name Nimrod gave to the sun god. And it was the beginning of idol worship that spread across the nations. Eventually there were almost 5,000 ancient gods. That's how many exist right now. 5,000 ancient gods that people all around the world worship. It's crazy, isn't it? Okay. Nimrod died a violent death. This is Jewish history. Um, And at that point it caused a suppression of idol worship. The people saw that Nimrod died so they decided maybe we should be worshiping the God of Noah. You know, the God of our, our descendants. And so they went back to it but his wife Semiramis was a very evil woman. And she knew About the promise. I'm sure Satan brought that up to her about the seed of the woman, okay, crushing um, the rule of Satan. And so she, after her husband died, gave birth to a son. Heaven knows whose son, but she gave birth to a son. And she declared to all the people that he was Nimrod resurrected from the dead. And she, <clears throat> and that now he was the sun god Baal in human form. And she named him Tammuz, T A M M U Z. So he was proclaimed to be the promised seed of the woman. And I want you to go to Ezekiel 8, because Nimrod now is just, I mean, you know, right shortly after Noah got off the boat. But. This worship of Tammuz didn't stop. Go all the way to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is having a vision and he's talking to. and God is showing him um, and go to Ezekiel chapter 8. God is showing him what the children of God are doing in the dark. Okay we're going to start with verse um, verse eight then he said to me, "Son of man, dig now in the wall and I, as, <clears throat> and when I had digged in the wall, behold there was a door and he said to me, "Go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do here." And this was uh, in the wall of the, the outside of the temple where he was digging. So I went in and I saw and behold every form of creeping things and the abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them seventy men of of the ancients of the house of Israel and in the midst of them stood Jezaniah the son of Shaphan and every man his censer in his hand and a thick cloud of incense went up to all these gods And then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imagination. For they say, The Lord sees us not, the Lord has forsaken the earth. He said also to me, Turn you yet again, and you will see greater abominations that they do. And then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz, the sun god, weeping. Oh, then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Turn yet again and you will see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men and their backs were turned toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Even in Ezekiel's day, this worship that was started by Nimrod and and Semiramis was still going. So during Nimrod's life he also began to open the door for sorcery and astrology and as supernatural power from Baal. Um, and so he built this tower in an attempt to raise his throne above the heavens and that's when God destroyed his plan by scattering everybody because of their languages. But the bad thing is, is the seeds of polytheism that started right there in Babylon spread all over the world the polytheism, it was just like somebody cast the seeds out. And the influence of Satan himself from Isaiah 14, 13, 15, you know, 13 through 15, pride of life, lust for power and control, rebellion, and a hatred for God's creation has been played out time and time again right in, that, in the heart of that land. The Assyrians raised up and destroyed northern Israel. The Babylonians raised up and and wiped Judah out. Then the Mede Persians came and then the Persians swallowed up the Medes and and it was just Persian Empire. Then the Greeks came and then the Romans and this one we haven't talked about but we will, the Ottoman Empire because it is replaying itself. God says, I say everything from the beginning that's going to happen at the end and the Ottoman Empire Is a part of this seed with the with the pride to conquer everything. You know, I will be, I will be like the most high God, I will, you know, be raised up. Then that lust for power and control. You will worship who we worship or you'll die. You know, and that conquering spirit and out and out rebellion against the God of Israel, you know, and then the hatred for God's creation. For God's people, the seed of a you know the seed of Mary, the seed of the woman, and it's and it plays itself out over and over and over and over again. Um, m- most scholars will tell you they absolutely agree that um, Nimrod was a type of Antichrist at the end, and I want to show it to you. Go to Daniel eleven. Go to Daniel eleven, and we're talking here about end times. And we're talking about the Antichrist in the end. But I want you to see this same haughty spirit that was in Nimrod is also playing itself out here in the end times, okay? Daniel,
1: Daniel
2: chapter 11. We haven't been here in a while. Okay, Um, start with verse 36. Talking about Antichrist here. And the king shall do according to his will. There it is. I will. Rebellion at its peak. I will. Pride. He will exalt himself and magnify himself above every god with a little g. And shall speak marvelous things against the God, capital G, of gods. And shall prosper until the indignation be accomplished for that that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God, capital G, of his fathers. Nimrod did not regard the God of his fathers. Nor the desire of women nor regard any God for he shall magnify himself above all. And in most cases in these empires, even even in Egypt, um, the kings thought of themselves as gods. They were a god. But in his estate shall he honor the god of forces and a god whom his fathers knew not shall be honored honor and gold and silver with precious stones and pleasant things thus he shall do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory and he shall cause him to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain conquering the land rebellion in the face of the God of his fathers um, pride in it he will raise himself up he will exalt and magnify himself and um, the hatred for God's children, you know, when the abomination happens, sitting in the temple. So, whatever has happened in Nimrod's life will be played out at the end. Okay, so Nimrod was Ham's grandson. So, let's go on to the rest of Ham's kids and just see where they ended up. Uh, Mizraim, M I Z R I A M, Mizraim. Um, it literally means Egypt. And so his kids actually did settle in that area. Now one interesting thing is Mizraim had a son named Cashluhim. C-A-S-H-L-U-H-I-M. Not that, that it matters, but Cashluhim became the father of the Philistines. So out of Mizraim Came the father of the Philistines, and that'll be important.
1: Okay.
2: Yep. Yeah. Okay. And the next son was Put, and there's not much mentioned about Put. Uh, Nahum, in chapter three, says that he was the father of Libyans. So that's all we know about Put. And then the next son was Canaan, and this is the Canaan that was cursed. Of all Ham's kids, why Canaan? Other than God knew the heart of Canaan from the beginning. It's you know, it's all I can think. But of all the kids that uh, that Ham's, uh, of Ham's, God chooses to curse Canaan. Very interesting. And you know, when you just look it up, there's not a lot of writing. I mean, there's not a lot of speculation about why just Canaan, other than, you know, they intimate, well, God knew his heart and God knew what was coming. But um, there's not a lot of explanation for that. I had hoped there would be. Okay. Um, his descendants settled in what is most of the land of Israel, that's where the Canaanites went. Now some of the Canaanites went all the way over to the Persian Gulf and settled over there. But um, most of them settled right there in Egypt. I mean in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um eventually, and, and DNA is showing this more and more, Canaan's kids also spread over into Asia Minor and into what is now China. Two of the tribes that are from the far east that are mentioned in scripture are the Hittites and the Sinites, S-I-N-I-T-E-S and um, the Hittites, H-I-T-I-T-E-S and those tribes um, have actually, those are eastern, eastern tribes. And everywhere they went, they took polytheism with them. Okay. Japheth is where we are now. That's us. And while there's not a lot mentioned about Japheth in scripture, there's going to be a lot about us. Japheth has a lot going on at the end. When Russia raises up and joins with Iran and, you know, and Turkey and all these places, and they go after Israel for the you know for their wealth and what have you then Japheth plays in but really mm, not so much in biblical in you know in scriptural records but we do know where they went they were the the europeans uh they did settle part of asia okay and they are the caucasian and the oriental races mostly Japheth's line are the caucasian and oriental races yeah
1: how do you
2: spell that word? Caucasian? Japheth? Yeah. J A P H E T H. Japheth. Okay. Japheth had seven sons, seven grandsons and fathered 14 nations. Interesting, all God's numbers, huh? Hmm. Okay. Gomer Um Settled around the Black Sea. Romania, Bulgaria, Armenia, all those places are Gomber's kids. Magog is the Baltic states. You know, the Slovaks, the Croatians, the southern Russia, you know, the... the um, The Bohemians, Scythians, all of that area, the Baltic states, that's Magog. And Magog is mentioned in the end times when God says, I'm going to put a hook in you and draw you down, you know, toward Israel. Um, Madai, M-A-D-A-I, is the next one. And I found this really interesting. Madai settled in the area of India and Persia. And and I'm understanding why the Kurds are so hated now. Because the Kurds are Japheth's line. The Kurds are Japheth's line. You know, I always think why why does everybody there hate the Kurds so much? The Shia and the um what's the other word? The Shia and the Sunnis. Sunnis. The Sunnis and the Shia hate the Kurds. And the Kurds are on, you know, they're an ally of ours. You know, they have aligned themselves with us. And you go, why? Because they are Japheth's descendants. They don't understand that. But that spirit is in them. And that's why they're so hated. Uh huh. But they're the Afghans. The Kurds of the. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. The next one is J-Van, J-A-V-A-N. And um, that's all along the coast of um, uh, the Mediterranean. That would be Greece and Rome and France is part of that. And, um, uh, Spain, Italy, yeah. Tubal is the next one, and I find this very interesting. Could you spell that? Tubal, mm hmm. Tubal bled over into the Assyrian race. So some of Japheth's descendants intermarried with what became Assyria. But they also um, were north, where they southeast Russia. Okay, just above the Baltic states, southeast Russia. That's mostly where Tubal is. Tobolsk is the name of the city that's in that area right now. The next one is Meshach. Which is also this, uh, a name for Moscow, which is all the rest of Russia. And then the last one, Tyrus, T I R A S. And this is all the rest of Europe. All those tribes, the Teutons, the Anglos, the Saxons, the Jutes, the Huns, all that area, all the way over, the Scots and the, you know, all that area, all the way over to England that is um, Tyrus. Um, and Tyrus's descendants also became the Germans, the Scandinavians, you know, and, and up in that area as well. So, um, you know where our descendants are. You know, we're all in that area. Um, The thing is is and this is what you have to remember at this point in history. These weren't nations, okay? They were all very tribal. And the tribes would move, but they, you know, they stayed with their families and you know the family groups would grow and so um they the ones that were driven to conquer were the ones that would have the wars. And and they were after Mostly the people to dominate the people to take over everything. Um, so there were tribal wars going on all the time, and um, but there was no nation well, like with borders. Okay, that nothing had a border not the Grecians, not the Romans, not anybody. And the Romans just made their own borders, the Grecians made their own borders, the took as much as they could, Babylon took as much as they could, but then as those empires would die, all the borders would erase and then you'd go back to that tribal warfare. Well, my goodness, if you look at the Middle East right now, it is tribal warfare. Nothing has changed there. Now, their countries have borders, but in within their countries those tribal connections are still so strong that um, there's a warfare that goes on all the time among these tribes and um, you see it in Syria playing out right now. You've got one faction against another. We saw it in Iraq with the Sunnis and the Shias and um, 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 Saddam Hussein was a Sunni you know, and he was trying to conquer the Shias, the Shias wanted to rule, and the Kurds were just in the way. They're the ones that got gas. They were wiping them out. Right and left tried to destroy the whole race. Why? Because there's that unexplained hatred for um, the connection to God, you know, and Japheth lives under Shem's tent, and Canaan will serve Japheth, you know. Those things play into it, and people don't People don't understand it, you know, how they're driven. Okay, the last one is Shem's kids. (laughs) Okay, and so go to Genesis 10. It's as dry and boring as these connections are. As you begin to learn the history, they really take on a uh, a dynamic that's powerful. Um, so, looking at Shem's kids, just um, starting with verse twenty-one, Shem has a big family. And under Shem, also the father of all the children of Eber, Eber is one of his kids, um, or one of his grandkids. Eber is actually the word Hebrew. It's where we get the word Hebrew from. Okay, So Eber was the line from which the Hebrew people came. Which was also the line that eventually was the line of Judah. But Eber started it. So the Hebrew people lived a long time under the title Eber or Hebrew. Um, and then Judah, uh, once Judah was born, then Judah became eventually the Jewish people. But they're Hebrew, that's their descendancy, the descendants of Eber. Okay. Now, unto Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth the elder, and even to him were children born, the children of Shem. Elam and Asher and Arfaxod and Lud and Aram. And the children of Aram were Uz and Hol and Gether and Mashan. Anyway, it goes on down. 25. Um, and Arphaxod, uh, 24. And Arphaxod begat Salah. And Salah begat Eber. Okay, Arphaxod is the line of Jesus. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll say that again in a minute. But unto Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Jotam. Um There's a lot of a lot of uh, writing about Peleg and what it meant for the earth to be divided. Um, one of the most common explanations is is that you know if you look at the if you know anything about plate tectonics, you know the 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 land floats. It literally kind of floats on the amorphous underneath stuff. And and at one time it's believed and, and you know they show how you can push the continents together and they fit into one piece of land. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they believe that it was during Peleg's time that the lands were separated mm-hmm. and the lands split. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why they talk about the earth was divided. Mm-hmm. Um nobody knows for sure, but that's one of the most common explanations for that. I think it's just interesting. Anyway, it goes on to list all these other sons and we're not going to worry about that. Um, Just wanted to show you those couple of things. So now let's go back and look at Shem's kids and see where they ended up. Because Shem's kids bled over and intermarried too. It wasn't like all of Shem's kids were perfect either. Um, Elam was um, his oldest son, and they settled east of Babylon. Okay, and they became part of Persia. So it would be like the Elamites and they were descendants of um, uh, I'm sorry, they intermarried with the Elamites which were descendants of Japheth and the Medes um, formed the Persian Empire.
1: Elamites were the
2: Elamites merged with the, the Persians or the descendants of Japheth that had moved over that way. So and they became the Persians, okay? So you could say Elam became part of the Persian Empire. Asher um, went toward the land of Assyria, went north of there, to the land of As- I'm sorry, south of there, to the land of Assyria, which would have been right at the Tigris River. And the Euphrates, where Nineveh was built, where, where Babylon was built. Um, and he intermarried there and became part of the Assyrian race. Our Faxod, and this was interesting to me, but you understand it when you think about Abraham. Our Faxod settled right in the area where um, uh, the Garden of Eden was. The Tigris and Euphrates rivers. They settled right there, near Nineveh. And um, this was the line of the seed of the woman. We don't have to go there and read it, but if you want Mary's line or lineage, it's in Luke chapter 3. Um, you can just put that down. That's Mary's lineage and it starts with Adam and it goes right through our fat sod and Eber and right on up the line through Abraham and and on. Okay, and Arthaxod's son, which would have been Shem's grandson, was the father of the Hebrew people. And they originally settled in Ur, Abraham's home. So they were all right there in Ur. Say that again. Abraham's um fact said. was Shem's son. Okay. Mm-hmm. Eber, E B E R, was Arthaxod's son. Noah's grandson. And they all settled right there in Ur, where Abraham was. Okay, Ludd settled in what's now Turkey. L U D, LUD. This is the next son. Settled in Turkey. And the last son is Aram, A R A M. And they settled in what is today Syria. And Aramaic was the language that came out of that, which is what Jesus would have spoken in the day. Okay, so now when you look at Shem's sons, it's not like they all stayed in Israel like that was the holy ground. They just scattered out and lived, you know, everywhere, intermarried with everybody but the line that Jesus was, I mean, that that Jesus was born from, God protected that line. Or Faxod, you know, who had Eber, who um, eventually saw Abraham. All lived right there in Ur. And um, how Shem got to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of peace, I don't know. But Shem, um, Jewish tradition in history says Shem was alive when Abraham was alive. That Shem was the patriarch of the tribe. And at that time, and we talked about this before, There wasn't a priesthood, there wasn't a law, but the patriarch of the family was the go-between for Yahweh and the family. You know, he would offer the sacrifices for the family. He would teach everybody about, you know, following the ways of God, and he was the the high priest for the family. You saw that in um, Moses' day. When he, you know, when he went out into the desert and he ended up at, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Just left me right now. Um, anyway, he married one of his daughters, but he was the high priest for that tribe. And uh, he came and offered Moses communion, you know, bread and wine, and then he gave Moses wisdom and how to, Moses. yeah, gave Moses, um, gave him wisdom and how to oh, you know yeah handle the people, but he was the patriarch for the tribe, and so he became the go between for Moses between god and and Moses you know so when it back before the law when it talks about the priesthood you're talking about uh, like how it's explained in the book of hebrews um Melchizedek was without family lineage. In other words, he wasn't a Levi because the priesthood didn't have Levi's back then. We have had some kind of mysterious idea that he just popped up out of the ground like a mushroom. He didn't have moms or dads or anything because it says he's without mother and father. But what it meant was is he's without the line of, of Levi. So he was a priest under God but it was because of his Um, seniority because he was the elder, the oldest one in the tribe and um, that made him the patriarch of the family and the patriarch was always the priest, the go-between. So in Jesus' case, Melchizedek is like Jesus because Jesus is without mother and father meaning he is without Levitical lineage. Mm -hmm. He is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. They're both after the same order. That means they came up as the patriarch of the family. Okay. No, I never had in all my years. That's
1: what Shim. Oh, no, what? What?
2: about the patriarchal system. Yes.
1: mother or father. Saying, yeah. Oh, thank
2: you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so, yeah. You hear uh, It is. You do. You hear all kinds of stories yeah. about it. Like you it's just like think, well, well, what did he do? Just like pop up as like yeah. a mushroom. You know. Somebody birthed him because he's there, yeah, you know. I, I, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and um, anyway, so when Abraham, you know, came back from rescuing Lot, he stopped, and the patriarch met him and gave him communion, the bread and the wine, and he paid tithes, you know. But the tithe was to the living God through um, Shem, you know, the priest at the time, and um, um, so. Shem was alive. Abraham's family knew about the living God. They were in a land where there were all kinds of intermarriages. There was all kinds of because it's right there where Nimrod had built the Babylonian Empire where Nineveh came up where all those places had come up and there was a lot of ungodliness there but Abraham had a heart for God and God was able to speak to Abraham and he said come on out of there and I'm going to take you and give you some land. I'm going to give you land. And um, so um, I'm going to show you this picture because this blows me away. This is the promised land, and it's described in several places. We're going to look at it. It's described in several pa- places how big Israel was supposed to be, it's huge. It goes from the middle of Egypt all the way over to the Tigris and Euphrates River, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I laughed at that when I looked at it, and I thought, "That's how big Israel is." They never took all the land; Israel never finished what God said. But you know, in the end, Jesus is going to take all that land. And I was looking at that, and I thought, "I wish I knew the mileage on that." Yeah. But I'd be willing to bet it's about fifteen hundred square miles, because. The new Jerusalem is going to come and have to have a place to sit and it's not going to fit in Jerusalem. (laughs) There is no way it's going to even fit in Israel. It'll sit over the top of Israel and to me it looks like it could fill up the whole entire promised land. And I looked at that and I thought that is the coolest thing ever. It is neat, but I don't know the mileages. I'd love to ferret that out. You know, just find out exactly what that is. But it looks like it could be about fifteen hundred square miles. So um, someday I'm going to dig that out. But you, you would not believe how much of that land God promised to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing?
1: Into Egypt.
2: Yes, yes, all the way over in Egypt, all the way over to the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, north. And just huge area. Yeah. look at how big that nation was supposed to have been. but Israel did not listen to God. Israel did not follow through, and so they never took all the land that was theirs. <clears throat> and God carefully delineated that um, so that they would know what was theirs. And still, they never took it. They just folded up and um, sat down and that's another part of the problem. But isn't that amazing when you think, oh my gosh, what they could have had. What they could have had. And now they just have a sliver of land that they're just hanging on to. You know, just hanging on to. And um, so it just kind of makes you sick in a way, doesn't it? So look at Genesis 12. Flip on to Genesis 12 here. Okay. Now the Lord had said to Abram get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house and into a land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you and that's going to be another part of the key that's going to be another part of the key I will curse those that curse you and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came, and this is where the trouble starts, because Canaan is descendant of Ham that was cursed, and eventually Canaan will serve um, Israel. Okay, will serve um, the children of Israel. They actually do now; they just don't know it. You know, they just they're subservient in all kinds of ways. Israel prospers and is. Flourishing, they're starving and living, you know, a squalid life and struggling every day. And, um, hmm. Um, okay, and Abraham passed through the land into a place of Sikkim and unto the plain of Mori, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Unto your seed I will give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. Now go to fifteen. Start with verse eighteen. <clears throat> and in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto your seed. I have given this land from the river of Europe, from the Nile of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates and the Canaanites and the Canaanites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Raphael the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites and the Jebusites. All the people that lived in that land which they're descendants of Ham, you know, but everybody's intermarried so you have to kind of keep that straight. It's, they all just kind of get to be an amorphous blob, um, except for the line now of Abraham, our to Eber to Abraham. Okay, now God did not hand that land over immediately; it never went into Abraham's hands, but he lived there pretty freely, you know, and came and went as he wanted. Okay, two sons born to Abraham. Ishmael was first. Ishmael's mother was a descendant of Ham. Miss Ram. She was a descendant of Ham. And um, then of course he was also at a descendant of Abraham. So um, Ishmael knew the covenant and he knew full well after Isaac was born that the covenant would follow Isaac, I mean, you know, and not him. He knew that. He was, he was, um, um, I want to say castrated, not castrated, circumcised. Sorry, that was a little too far. (laughs) Castrated was the only word that was coming out of my mouth. I'm going, that is not right. (laughs) That was a little radical. You're right. I don't know where that came from. Just popped right up there. It was a C word. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. But um, he was, he was um, taken care of in the covenant. We'll just say it like that. So that he, he was circumcised. He was, a, he was in covenant with the living God. And God was faithful to that. Really, he was faithful to that. Um, let's go to Genesis um, let's see how I wanted to do this. Um, All right, go to Genesis 16. Um, At this point, um, Hagar was being tormented by Sarah. Sarah was so angry that Hagar now was having a child, and she wasn't that she was tormenting Hagar and Hagar just couldn't take it anymore and she ran away and um, so she ran into the desert and verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by a fountain in the way of shore and he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, from whence do you come? And where are you going? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply your seed exceedingly and it shall not be numbered for a multitude. In other words, so great a population you're going to have, you can't even number them. Same thing with Isaac. So many generations that you can't number them. So Ishmael is getting a blessing here. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, you're with child and you will bear a son and you'll call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. Now verse 12 is key because this is one of the big seeds of what is happening right now. (coughs) the Arab population, the Muslim population all agree that they came from Abraham but they will tell you that Ishmael, the oldest son, is the heir to the promises. They refuse to acknowledge Isaac in any way. And this is Ishmael's personality if you will. This is what is in his DNA. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brothers. Okay. And there it is. Ishmael described as being against every man and every man against him. Now there came a point when Ishmael left you know but before he left he had already started to put his hand against Isaac his own brother. Um, Look at Genesis 21 and what was it? Jealousy he wanted to be the one. He wanted to be the one that was. Well, he wanted to be the one in charge. Um, he had a hatred for the seed that um, may not have understood that it was going to be the seed of the woman, but he had a hatred for that line from the beginning. Now they made friends when Abraham died and they buried him together. But that seed of hatred between Ishmael and Isaac was there. It never went away. Okay? Look at Genesis 21. Um, Is that where I want to be? Yeah. Start with verse 5. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given birth children Sup, for I have borne him a son in his old age? And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast, and the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. So Ishmael was mocking Isaac from a very young age and tormenting Isaac. And therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And, and while um, Abraham did not want to throw Ishmael out, he loved Ishmael. Um, God said, You do what your wife says, and you send him on his way. Um, And he said, I will make a great nation of him. You know, he will be blessed, he will be a great nation. And so he was sent on his way. Well, Hagar went into the desert, and of course, you know, they ran out of water. And she put her son down and went away and cried out because she didn't want to watch him die. And verse 17. God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her what ails you Hagar fear not for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is arise lift up the lad and hold him in your hand and I will make him a great nation and God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad a drink and God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer and he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. So, Ishmael married himself to the descendants of Ham, the the descendants of Ham. Yeah.
1: What does that term archer mean?
2: Um, I guess he was a bowman. He would hunt with bows and arrows. Oh. Um, he would. He just lived off the land because he, you know, he Is didn't. That
1: a good thing or a bad? Thing?
2: Well, I guess it's an okay thing. He just wasn't gonna raise sheep and cattle like Abraham and Isaac did. He just went off and lived in the wild, and hunted his game and and what have you.
0: Earlier, he was described as a wild donkey of a man.
2: A wild donkey of a man. There yes, you go. said, "You said a wild man." The mm-hmm. said, "A wild donkey." donkey. I love that. Yeah. A wild donkey. Well, the thing is, if you have a sheep. Uh, if you have sheep, you have a herd that you can care for, and you have have them gathered in a so. territory. Yeah, more so. 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 Whereas an archer, you're dependent upon going out and happening upon. Yeah, like, yes. happening upon. That's right? it. Wild game, and it's a lot chancier and riskier feeding yourself when you're dependent on bows and arrows. That's it. And and he became, um, he became a part of what is now those. Those um, nomadic tribes that live in the mountains and the you know the rocky places. That's you know, and they're Arabs. He became part of the Arab population. And um, um, Jewish tradition calls him proud, rebellious, warlike in nature. And in those in those desert peoples, the Bedouins, they are independent, fearsome, quarrelsome. People, you know, not easy to get along with, and um, it's one reason that nobody's able to, you know, just quell the disturbances. And we don't understand why you can send troops in there and go to war for twenty years and never fix it. But it's the nature of those people to be that way, and the hatred that's in them that drives them is the hatred that see that that um, Satan has. Um, that desire to use those people to raise themselves up, you know, because they're warlike. You can get them going, raise themselves up, build a big empire. I mean, if you look at the Ottomans, and we will come back to that, but the Ottomans started out, you know, um, um, like 500 years ago. They marched, and where did they want to go? They wanted to go to Rome. They marched right up through you know Austria and Germany, and were coming right around. They were heading for Rome because that was the seat of the seat of the woman, the Christian population. They destroyed any of of Shem's family they could on the way, and they conquered and they built this big empire until the Christians rose up. When the Christians rose up and and went to the Crusades, we've been oh we've been told horrible things about that. I've got a map to show you when we get there. About the difference in what the Ottoman people did and what the Christians did, they defended Jerusalem. They went in and fought to get Jerusalem back. Very small footprint, but the world has turned against um, the the Christians for that. The world has turned against you know the Jewish people for that, and um, it's just a lie of Satan. The whole thing is a big lie of Satan. They don't even look at the previous history. No, to any of that. no, they don't. And the Ottomans tried again in World War One. They linked up with the Germans, thinking they could build an empire again using the German people, and they rose up again in World War Two. Indiana Jones, thinking that they could build their empire again, and now they're doing it again. They are raising themselves up. The trouble is that there's so much civil war going on among the tribes. They can't get a leadership, you know, they, because now you've got ISIS and you've got um, Hamas and you've got, you know, Al Qaeda, Boko Haram. You have all these tribes, and and they're warring among themselves for that power, and so it's hard to get this raised up. And um, as as this gets worse. It's just plowing the ground for an antichrist that could step up and figure out how to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. It's just plowing the ground. But here we are in Genesis reading this and like God says, I say from the beginning what's going to happen at the end. And this is what this is the way it's happened. But the seeds of that rebellion, that warlike nature that I will lift up my throne, that pride and that need to have power and control and dominate um, has driven the people that are in that area for a long time. And it isn't so much about bloodlines once they start to blur um, as much as it is about one specific bloodline. <coughs> and that's the bloodline of Jesus Christ. You know that the Jewish people and then the Christians who have come out of, of his you know, time on earth that's where the line has been drawn now. But the, but the rebellion is still there. They have rebelled against God from the very beginning. Absolutely.
3: Did you notice in your readings here talking about uh, Abraham and it looks like God spoke to Abraham. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to Ishmael and Hagar it's the angel of God speaks to them the humanity of God Mm -hmm. so the uh, prophecy for Isaac came from the angel of God where the prophecy for Abraham came from God I don't know if that's
2: I'm sure there's something in there there Yeah, no, I'm sure there is something in there
3: and then another uh, just note there the question about Archer yeah. For Ishmael. That almost takes you back to Nimrod. Nimrod. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, a hunter. Mm-hmm.
2: was the hunter. Yeah, it does.
3: Which was the son of Cush, which I don't know that that's Cush is Egypt or not, but uh, that northern territory of yeah. Egypt where
2: mm-hmm.
3: Ishmael's wife came from.
2: That's right. And um It's just amazing to me how, um, you know, how even today you can look at that and go, yep, I see that. You know, it's right there, you know, renaming itself. And so when you start to try to talk to someone who's a Muslim or who is sympathetic to um, the Palestinians, who are really Philistines, they're not Palestinians at all, the Romans taking everything they could to keep. The Jews from having any idea that they were a nation there, named that whole area, uh, you know, around um, on both sides of the Jordan and everything, named that Palestine. In your face to the Jews, just name it that. So anybody living in Palestine became Palestinians. But they weren't. They're Philistines and Canaanites. They're descendants of Ham. And, um, so, when you start to sort that out and you understand that um, it was the Romans who came up with that name, well, the Palestinians kept the name because it kept the war going. You know, the Romans gave us this land. This is our land. You're coming in here and trying to drive us out again. And um, the hatred there is stirred up again um, when it's really their land legally anyway. You know, so so the war goes on. And it's always going to go on because a warlike nature is never going to be peaceful. You can't make a covenant with them. You can't rationalize. We can't go in and make treaties with these people because they are irrational. They are religiously driven and they worship other gods. They do not worship the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Okay? Okay, Ishmael's descendants spread from Egypt all the way to Assyria, they went all the way around. Assyria becoming the first people to ever use terrorism against their enemies. Okay, then you have Isaac marries Rebecca and they have twins, Esau and Jacob. Okay, then of course Esau sells his birthright, and um, he has this very rebellious nature. Go to Genesis twenty-six. Here we go again. Okay, the Hittites are descendants of Canaan, just so you remember here. All right, Genesis 26, verse 34. Okay. Esau knew that that um, um, Isaac wanted he and um, his brother to marry out of the line of, Sh- of Seth. You know, wanted to go back to his homeland, find wives for him there, out of, her- out of their own family line. Isaac, um, I mean, Jacob stayed, um, as sneaky as he was a little bit slimy. Jacob stayed obedient but Esau immediately had this spirit of rebellion in him. And look at what he did. Look at verse 34. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith the daughter of Beri the Hittite and Bashamath the daughter of Elon the Hittite which were a grief of mind to Isaac and to Rebekah. He deliberately rebelled against them, knew it would grieve them and took two wives from the Hittites, which are the descendants of Ham. Okay. Genesis 28. Go to 28. 1 through 8. Here we go. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Padanamram Aram to the house of Bethel, your father, your mother's father, and take a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be a multitude of people. And give you the blessing of Abraham to you, and to your seed with you, that you may inherit the land wherein you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. And Isaac went away, and sent away Jacob, and he went to Padanamram unto Laban, son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. And when Esau saw that Isaac, had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan, Amram to take a wife from thence um, and that as he blessed him he gave him a charge saying you shall not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padan Amram so he was obedient Esau seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father Esau went unto Ishmael and took unto um, under the wives which he had Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael's Abraham's son and the sister of Nabajoth to be his wife. So he could have gone with his brother but he was already in rebellion because he married two Hittite women and then he went to Ishmael and married one of his daughters. <laughs> Deliberately to get under the skin of um, Isaac. I mean to get under the skin of Jacob. So that rebellion was already in him and, he, and even though they got together to bury their dad again that root of hatred for the line of the seed of the woman was buried deep in Esau. And Esau hooked himself up to who? Ishmael and to the Canaanites who also had that very same seed in them. So there's no way that in the flesh you're going to be able to extract that uh, legacy. It is what it is. And um, So now we'll get to the seeds of the Hebrew nation next and and, um, how this thing has developed. So, okay, I'm going to leave you with that. I was going to show you this just because real quick. Okay, real quick, pass that around. The top map with all the red dots, that is the war that um, the Muslims carried out on um, the land of the Christians. And then if you look in the bottom map, you'll see the little red dots where the Christians fought back. And you can see the difference.
1: Yeah, and we're the bad guys.
2: Yeah and and they have hated us for that and that's one of their big excuses for being at war with us right now is the crusades mm-hmm. and that is that is the um, that's the battering ram and I don't know how else to use it except like that it's the battering ram that our president uses against the Christian population in this nation it's that battering ram, the crusades when you look at this picture and um, it's infuriating.
1: No contest.
2: Mm-mm. No. It's infuriating. Yeah. It's infuriating. Yes.
1: Uh, could you look Genesis chapter twenty-one? Uh huh. When we were there, I read a verse here. Look at verse, verse, verse thirty-three.
2: Okay. It's
1: very interesting.
2: Yeah. Abraham
1: planted a
2: grove in Beersheba Sheba. tree. What is
1: that? Tamarisk. Tamarisk tree. Yeah. Um. I don't.
2: I don't really know. Upon
1: the name of oh, the oh, Lord, the eternal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I. I don't really know. I know the tamarisk tree shows up. Um, every now and then in scripture, but I've never—I have to check that out, the yeah. tamarisk, and just find out what the, you know, what the type and shadow of that is. Do you, that you know?
1: Association I'm with that tree. i it's a fruit-producing
2: tree, mm-hmm. but
1: I can't
2: think of what. Man, yeah, look that up. Yeah, the mine doesn't say a tamarisk Isn't tree. Isn't that
1: odd? Because he's yeah. talking about a tree yeah. and then eternal God. Have, uh,
2: yes. Spell it, please. T A M. A-R-I-S-K. So
0: Tamar- oh, uh, a R I S K. That's what they make tamarinds out <laughs> of. I thought somebody
2: had that on somewhere. <laughs> it, it, it pops up, not, that, that tree I, pops up every now and then. That and acacia, but um, I have to look up the, the tamarisk. Really. Okay, <laughs> it's an evergreen,
0: grows well, oh. 18 foot tall.
2: Don't you use your. Oh, he's on the Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Come on.
2: The tamarisk, because an evergreen. All right, cool. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: Grows 18 foot tall. Uh, tolerates. Uh, has tiny salt crystals that are extruded by the tree oh, wow. into
2: the leaves. Wow.
1: That's a big tree. Yeah.
2: So. Neat. well, I know trees are always a type of of uh, humanity, um, type of. Yeah, humanity, but I mm-hmm. I don't know about I I have to look that up see what the. Salt extruding crystals. Yeah. Well, we're going to be salt and
1: light. Yeah. The salt of the earth.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. I wonder if And it must be a very hardy tree. Hey,
1: must be. We no, what bay. did you just say we're going to
2: be? Tree planted as a remembrance salt of God's love. What did you, did you oh. see that I just lost it. Oh. That's kind of cool. Poke it some more, Jill. Shush. <laughs> How do you get it back? It yeah. like I know so that's what happens to me. You pick it up and say, let me look, and everything disappears, and you go, oh my gosh, where did it all go? Isn't that the truth? Well,
1: I just found that It's, it's an evergreen, but it's, it an evergreen but it's.
2: interesting, and I have no idea. like an evergreen. I mean, you know, it's not the shape no. of what we think of as evergreens. Is it not? No, it's Shaped like, like a tree, like a regular tree tree? Reminds me of a huge bonsai. Okay. Cool. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Mm-hmm. Out. You have That's to look that lot. up. That would be cool I to know. See what the Jewish commentary is on Tamara's tree. I guess there
1: wasn't very Sometime, many family unions.
0: Way, way back somewhere sticks in the back of my mind I read talking about DNA that wherever chimpanzees live, I guess it's mm-hmm. at, the different, uh, what's a group of chimpanzees called? Bunch of monkeys, I don't want to say. I don't know. That, yeah. A herd or, know. Or, uh-huh. a, or whatever. Um, there is more genetic differences in the chimpanzees, chimpanzees in Africa from one tribe, one family group mm-hmm. to another than there is between all all humans across the world.
2: Isn't that cool? Wait, say that again. Bill.
0: There is more difference between uh, family groups of chimpanzees in Africa, more ju- a DNA difference than there is between all humans on Earth.
1: That's
2: That's very cool. Isn't that amazing? Same, basically. Yeah. Well, and this DNA thing is so important because um, they're starting to discover, like even American Indians, I I mean, I know my kids, I've I've had to go online and straighten some of them out that the American Indians didn't pop up here like mushrooms either. (laughs) You know, that they didn't have a land, they were tribal, there were no borders, it was... You know, and and it was always moving and changing, um, but um, in the Western tribes, they are finding um, the DNA of the Jewish people. Okay. That during the dispersion of Northern Israel, a lot of the nor of the Israelis fled to Russia, mm-hmm. and and came across on the Bering Strait on the land, the land bridge. bridge. Yeah, and came down. And they're finding the Jewish DNA in these Indian tribes. Mm -hmm. You know, isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah, this is um, before this time we would never have been able to uh, understand all that. But it just, it goes to show you that, um, and like you said, we're all connected. You know, that that basic DNA in all of us has certain markings that are always going to be it, you know unifies as humanity um, and um, whether your eyes are blue or brown or whatever um, look we'll us. yes the yes, exactly that's it, and we're all family, you know we're all family, um, which we have to keep remembering, but we just we're dysfunctional. <laughs> At this stage of the game, we're a very dysfunctional family. But, um, it was, yeah, but it was inherited. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.